Well, hello, everyone. Good morning and welcome to the Highway Community's weekly podcast for April 10th, 2022, which is Palm Sunday. I'm Julie Peterson, and I am so glad that you're here joining me on this very special morning. Thank you so much for your presence. Palm Sunday is a day during which we commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And it marks the beginning of Holy Week, which is the eight days which begins on Palm Sunday and concludes on Easter Sunday. For centuries, Christ's followers have moved through Holy Week by reflecting on Jesus' journey to and victory over the cross, attentively waiting and watching, or keeping vigil, with Him through the lens of His Passion. The word passion comes from a Latin word which means to suffer. And this Lenten season, we've kept vigil with Jesus by walking with him through his passion or his suffering as part of our teaching series, Stations of the Cross. Through this, we've journeyed beside Jesus through progressive loneliness, isolation, abandonment, and pain. We've sat beside Jesus as he ate his last supper beside someone whom he knows will soon betray him. And we've knelt with Jesus as he prayed in agony while his disciples were totally unaware nearby. We've stood beside him as he was betrayed that night, and we saw him as he looked straight at a disciple who just denied him repeatedly. And we watched Jesus be condemned, caught in an unjust system which led to his crucifixion during which he was utterly rejected as he endured mockery, humiliation, and unimaginable pain. As we enter into Jesus' suffering, we're invited to empathize with him as he endures these very real, deeply painful human experiences. And today, our journey with Jesus brings us beside him as he experiences the depth of abandonment, being forsaken by his Father as he suffers and dies on a cross. As we keep vigil beside the Messiah this morning, I invite you to receive today's passage by hearing it in its entirety. As you do so, feel free to close your eyes and find a relaxed and comfortable position. Relax your body. Feel its heaviness. And if you like, place yourself in the scene and see, hear, and imagine the account from Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 47. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on his staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last 
the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So, as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So, Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then, he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Amen. Mark writes that Jesus was crucified at the third hour, which was 9 a.m., and after the Messiah suffered humiliation, rejection, and pain for hours, darkness came over the land. At noon, the brightest time of the day, God brings darkness. He uses nature to testify to the cosmic, cosmic significance of this moment, and in an inverted way from which it was used when Jesus came into the world. Jesus Christ, who was illuminated at his birth by a star during the night, would be enshrouded in darkness during the day in his final hours. In Scripture, darkness during the day is associated with God's judgment. We see this in Amos 8, Jeremiah 15, Joel 2, Zephaniah 1, and famously in Exodus 10, where God sends darkness at Passover. Here, he sends a plague of darkness to Egypt as he communicates displeasure and judgment against the Pharaoh who refuses to let the Israelites go. And here, at the cross, as humanity rejects the light of the world, God brings darkness and judgment upon his Son who bore the sins of the world. Theologians have offered up a range of ideas around what may also be happening through the darkness. It's been suggested that God used it to hide his son from leering tormentors. And it's been proposed that darkness was an outworking of God hiding his face from his son. Others suggest that darkness was a way God revealed his grief. Some consider that multiple things are happening and being conveyed in this moment. It is a divine mystery. As a parent, I, re I resonate with the notion that darkness is, in part, a manifestation of God's anguish as he empathizes with the anguish of his son. Last June, 
my daughter Melody got super sick. She had a really awful stomach virus and experienced all of the symptoms you'd imagine would be associated with that, starting around midnight one night. By 2 a.m., things got so unbearable, I took her to the ER at El Camino Hospital. I'd never seen her so bad in all her 17 years of life. We waited and waited for her to be seen as her symptoms worsened and as she drifted in and out of consciousness and even began losing her vision and sensation in her extremities. After about three hours, which I think was actually an eternity, Mel's got situated in a small room with a bed and was given meds and fluids. Her vitals slowly stabilized. And at long, long last, she finally got comfortable enough to drift off to sleep. But as exhausted as I was, even though she slept, I couldn't, at least not for a while. I just stared at that vitals monitor and obsessed over the numbers and the moving lines because I needed to be so, so certain that she was okay before I allowed myself to fall asleep. I waited and watched and kept vigil in that little chair beside her bed. We both got home around 9 a.m. and we both conked out together. What a night. A few weeks ago, Melody and I were reflecting on that whole ordeal. She described it as the worst night of her life. And you know, it was one of the worst nights of mine. Not because I pretty much got no sleep, and not because of the medical expenses, and not even because the medical system was so slow-moving that it brought out my very worst mama bear. It was one of the worst nights of my life because my daughter suffered so much. And so, I can only imagine what God the Father went through as he bore witness to his innocent son being unjustly condemned and being summarily rejected by his own people and suffering the horror of the cross. And... I could never imagine or understand what God went through as he then forsook his own beloved son with whom he was well pleased. I can't imagine what he went through when he separated himself from Jesus. And to do this while the Messiah took on and bore the unimaginable weight of the sins of all of humanity for all of time. And... I cannot fathom what Jesus experienced as his Abba, his loving Father God with whom he experienced perfect union. I, I cannot fathom what it was like for Jesus to be utterly abandoned by God. The disciple John refers to Jesus as the Word and writes in John 1, 1-2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. And not only did he exist with God in the beginning, through another great divine mystery, Jesus was God. In John 10.30, 
Jesus says, I and the Father are one. How agonizing it must have been for Jesus to lose this union that he'd enjoyed since the beginning of time. At about 3 p.m., six hours from the time Jesus was nailed to a cross, and three hours after the land was covered in darkness, then the Son of Man, full of the faculty needed to cry out, quotes Psalm 22:1 as he says loudly, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was abandoned by Judas and by Peter and the disciples, by Jews and Gentiles, religious leaders and ordinary passers-by, by friends and strangers. He was even rejected by the criminals who were crucified beside him. But as difficult and painful as each of these experiences were, none matched the deep emotional and spiritual pain that Jesus went through when he was forsaken by his Father. Yet, by his great love, Jesus emptied himself and he willingly entered into it. After Jesus cried out loudly again, he breathed his last and the temple curtain tore in two from top to bottom. This is profoundly symbolic. The tabernacle and later the temple is where God dwelt with his people. Curtains were used to restrict access within the temple and therefore restrict access to God's presence. As the curtain was torn on this dark day, the barrier between God and humankind was torn apart. Through Jesus' sacrifice, all of humanity gained access to God. Through Jesus' sacrifice, a new covenant of grace was established and the old covenant of the law was abolished. Through Jesus' sacrifice, on a tree atop a high place, humanity's presence with God, which was lost by taking and eating what was forbidden on a tree atop another high place, is restored. Through Jesus' sacrifice, humanity's presence with God is restored. By the way, for anyone who's interested in exploring biblical design patterns and the theme of trees throughout Scripture, I can't enough recommend the Bible Project's Tree of Life podcast series. It is such good stuff. So, Jesus gives us the gift of presence with his Father. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we could receive the gift of presence with God. The greatest joy comes from this gift. The psalmist writes in Psalm 1611, In your presence is fullness of joy. While we as imperfect beings could never be worthy of the joy of God's presence, the Lord Jesus Christ took on and freed us from all of our sins and gives us this most precious gift. And when we are present with others, we give them a gift. In all four gospel accounts, we see the deeply moving gift of presence at the cross, which stands in stark contrast to the repeated rejection and abandonment found throughout the Passion narrative. 
In Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 40, we read, Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. As the crowd left Jesus on Calvary, and as the disciples were away hiding from the religious leaders, the many women who accompanied Jesus from Galilee remained present by his side. They'd long known what the Roman centurion realized about Jesus upon seeing how he died, that this man was the Son of God. These women actively served Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. The most comprehensive view of them is found in the Gospel of Luke. Immediately following an account of Jesus being anointed by a woman who lived a sinful life, Luke writes in chapter 8, starting in verse 1, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Unlike those who abandoned him, the women from Galilee were present with Jesus. They gave him the gift of presence, the gift of active presence. This is seen in the way they provided practical forms of support, or by doing, and in the way they stayed by his side, or by being. These faithful disciples did so much for Jesus, tangibly and practically, including generously providing for him out of their own personal resources, supporting him and his ministry financially. And the women remained physically and emotionally near to Jesus through thick and through thin. How unimaginably painful it must have been to see Jesus, whom they loved, suffer for hours and die on a cross. In Luke's account, we're told that these women mourned and wailed for him. This was a horrific moment for them. Yet they were near, and they stayed near by his side. They blessed Jesus by simply being. These female funders and founders blessed Jesus by being and by doing from the beginning of his public ministry. These women accompanied him throughout Galilee. They came up with him to Jerusalem. They were beside him on Calvary, and they went to the tomb to serve him in death. They were with him in resurrection, and then were commissioned to bear witness to that resurrection. They continued in prayer until Pentecost, and they would be a part of his ongoing mission and ministry into the beginning of the first century church. These women remained faithfully involved with Jesus and his ministry, even when it was risky. They left the stability of their homes, and they followed him into the unknown. 
they stayed when everyone else ran. And they did all of this in a patriarchal society, in a time and a place where women's rights were few and their actions were restricted. These women were generous, devout, and fearless. And they weren't in it for their own glory or esteem. They were all about Jesus. While their ministry was perhaps less public and less known than that of the Twelve, it was no less important. We can learn a lot about what it looks like to be a faithful Christ follower by observing the way the women from Galilee lived their lives. After they experienced healing and freedom from what captivated him, them, they stewarded that freedom and lived out the gospel message of redemption by doing and by being. This Friday, we have a unique opportunity to be with Jesus. We have a unique opportunity to be by his side and enter into his passion and his suffering in a really distinct and meaningful way. Highway will be hosting our annual Stations of the Cross event this Friday, April 15th, from 12 noon until 8.30 p.m. at our campus located at 2050 Miramonte Avenue in Mountain View. I hope you'll come and bring a friend or two as we desire to share this event with our neighbors as a gift. I look forward to being present with Jesus, with you, this Friday. So, the women from Galilee lived out the gospel message of redemption by being present with Jesus. They also lived out the gospel by being present with others. They came alongside Jesus' disciples, traveling with and providing financial support to the Twelve as together, across gender, socioeconomic, and marital status lines, as together they all supported Jesus' ministry. Also, after Christ's ascension, we see in Acts chapter 1 that they joined with others constantly in prayer. And... In Acts chapter 12, we see that these women opened their homes to many people for prayer as the early church was being established. These loyal female disciples gave the gift of presence to others. And opportunities abound for God's people to give the gift of presence to others around us today. The pandemic had a crater-like effect on our lives, and it's taken a toll on our mental health. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, during the pandemic, about 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, compared to 1 in 10 who reported these symptoms in the first half of 2019. Extending the gift of presence with those who are going through difficult times, perhaps mentally, socially, spiritually, or economically, by extending the gift of being with and providing practical forms of support to others, we can steward the gift of fullness of joy and the freedom that we've been gifted as people healed and liberated by Christ Jesus. And it's a way we can be his presence to others as his representatives. When we extend Jesus's presence, we can be his presence to others. And it's also a way that we can encounter Him. Scripture tells us that what's done for the least of our sisters and brothers is done for Jesus. And so, 
In these ways, we can be present with Jesus and with others by being actively and faithfully present to those around us. So, as we close out our time together, I invite you to consider how the Spirit might be guiding you to be present with Jesus, to draw closer to Him, and wait and watch with Him as we close out this Lenten season and sit in the darkness of Saturday in preparation for the light of Sunday. And I invite you to consider how the Spirit might be moving you to be present with others by being near to them and by generously and practically coming alongside them. And, as you reflect on these things, I invite you to consider what are the barriers that might stand in the way of being present with Jesus and with others? Perhaps trust, control, busyness or anger, or something else? As we leave this place, I encourage you to continue this reflection in conversation with God. Highway family, may we be attuned to and obedient to the Spirit's guiding to be present with Jesus and be present with others by doing and by simply being in order for God's kingdom to be made known within us and through us today. Let's pray. Loving and gracious Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrificial journey of love that he undertook, traversing time and space to be present with us so that we could experience the fullness of joy that is presence with you. God, I pray that we would steward this gift. I pray that that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be aware of all of the places and spaces that you're calling us to be your presence with others. Remove the barriers that give us pause from leaning in and loving well. Holy Spirit, as we move into and through Holy Week, would you empower us to be present with Jesus and remain present with him? holding vigil in his suffering and in the quiet and darkness of Saturday. Wait with us, God, as we wait with your beloved Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.